more important than the theory part. Okay, you have to be well versed in that kind of cases. So that is why this chapter is actually important because the story of village Palanpur is used as an example. If you look at the purpose of the story, the purpose of the story is to introduce some basic concepts relating to production. And this we do through a story of a hypothetical village. We don't know whether Palampur is really there. It is a hypothetical village. What is hypothetical? What is the meaning of the word hypothetical? Have you ever heard this? Imaginary. Not exactly. That will be called imaginary, okay? What you are telling that is imaginary. Actually, hypothetical means something which has not yet been proved. Like in science, you first have a hypothesis given by a scientist, then it becomes a theory, then it becomes a law. Okay, so for example, Isaac Newton's theory of gravitation. First it was just a hypothesis, then it became a theory. After that, it became a real law, laws of gravitation. The village Palanpur is a hypothetical village because all the things which are told about this village, you will not find in one village. It is not practical, okay? This village is used as a modern village. But this village is also like most other Indian villages. Farming is the main activity in this village. Several other activities such as small scale manufacturing, dairy, transport, all are having equal part in the economy of this village. But all these activities are carried out on a limited scale. Can you see the word limited scale? In the second paragraph, it is said limited scale. These activities, small scale manufacturing, dairy, transport, these are all carried out on a limited scale. What does this mean, that it is carried out on a limited scale? Can you tell me what it might mean, that these activities are carried out on a limited scale? Hello? Yes, sir. These activities like manufacturing, dairy, transport, these are carried out in the village of Palanpur on a limited scale. Can you tell me what is the meaning of activities carried out on a limited scale? It's not in so much use, but it is carried out. Not in much scale. Yeah, there might be two meanings actually. First of all, in that village, the people have not yet made a big investment. When we say limited scale, there are many meanings, okay? There might be two, three meanings. First, it might be that still now that village did not get any factory also. Second, it might be that the people know about manufacturing, but they have preferred to keep the manufacturing at a very low level. They have not yet invested more money behind the manufacturing sector. Limited scale means another thing. When someone says that so-and-so sector is 
carried out in our area on a limited scale. It has another meaning, okay? It means that in that area, there is a lack of entrepreneurs. I think I have told you before in this chapter only about the word entrepreneur or entrepreneur. Do you remember the word entrepreneur? Yes, sir. Some of you might remember. Once again, the word entrepreneur is extremely important as far as business and manufacturing is concerned. I told you that human capital cannot develop unless there is an entrepreneur. There has to be one person who will invest the money, who will take the initiative to start the business. That person is normally the owner of the business, and without that person, no new business can actually go underway. It cannot start off. Only people talking and talking that we will start a new factory, we will start a new business, that is not going to be enough. There has to be someone who has to actually take the practical step, the practical step one by one, to procure land, take a building on rent, buy some machines, then hire some people, make connection with wholesalers in the market, make connection with distributors, okay, and take charge of the quality of the product, and even be prepared to take charge of some uh, financial losses because for the first two or three years, no business makes profit. Whether manufacturing business or any other business, no business makes profit in the first two to three years at least. It takes two to three years for a business to actually uh, start making a little profit. Okay, so unless there is one person called an entrepreneur or entrepreneur, that is the French pronunciation, unless such a businessman is there, the business will first of all not start. So when at the beginning of this chapter, we see that dairy industry is also limited scale in Palampur. Okay, transport industry is also limited scale. Manufacturing industry is also limited scale. What does it mean? It means that in the village Palampur, there is a lack of entrepreneurship. There is not many good entrepreneurs in that village. That is the meaning of that line. Do you understand, students? Yes or no? Yes, sir. Yes. Now, before I go further, please quickly tell me who are sitting in this class now. Timmy. Okay. Arju. Arju is there. Amish Bahur is there. Amish Bahur. Sharia has come today? Sharia. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Oh, Kanish, yes. The uh, phone line is very bad today. I don't know why. And no one else? Arzu is there. Okay, that's done. Sharia is there. That's done. Anyone else other than you five? No one else. Sakim has come? Or Sophia? Hello? No, sir. No, they haven't joined today. See, being irregular, they they already missed this chapter. And when I went through their paper, economics paper, I don't want to say anything now, but some of you have done quite well in the economics paper. And some of you, I don't know what to say. I'll tell it later, okay? Not now. You'll see after a few days. Okay. So, 
Mm. Now, so I was telling you that if someone says that activities are on a limited scale in a village, that means no one has taken initiative. No one has shown the courage to actually start the business or invest the resources, financial, fixed capital, as well as land resources. These production activities like dairy, manufacturing, they need various types of resources, okay? Look at the next line. Natural resources, man-made items. I told you machines are needed even for a small business. Even if you open a shop which is doing lamination and Xerox, you will need the lamination machine, isn't it? So natural resources, man-made items, human effort, money, etc. As we read through the story of Palampur, we will learn how various resources combine to produce desired goods and services in the village. This is a very important line. You can underline it. This line seems to be quite good. Various resources combine to produce the desired goods and services in the village. Please underline. So this. what is the page number? The page number. Page number is in the beginning of the book. Page number one. Officially it is page number one of the book. The first page of the chapter, the story of village Palampur. The line is the, the line is the uh, sec second paragraph, last line, okay. Have you got the line? Various resources combine to produce the desired goods and services. Have you seen that? Yes or no? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, you can write a small question there beside the margin. What is, uh, what is necessary for a business to be successful in a village like Palakpur. What is necessary for a business to be successful in a village like Palakpur? What is necessary for a business for a business? What is necessary for a business to succeed? Succeed means to successful. S U C C double E D. S U C C that is double C. Then again double E, then D. What is necessary for a business to succeed in a village like Palampur? Palampur. So that is. Okay, next. First of all, Palampur is well connected. So now we are going to see how the businesses can succeed. The first question is, does a village have the conditions to be successful? In the case of Palampur, although the industries are still on a small scale, they have not developed. But we can see that the village already has some conditions to be successful. It already is in a position to be successful. First of all, it has good roads. Palampur is well connected with neighboring villages and towns. You can see, written in the next line. Palampur is well connected with neighboring villages and towns. The neighboring village is a big village called Raiganj. It's only three kilometers. Three kilometers means you can go walking also. And all weather road is there. That means the road it will not be washed away in the rain also. 
Okay, the biggest problem as far as industry and agriculture is in India is that in most villages in the country, even now, you will see that the roads are very bad. Okay, it means that during the monsoon time when the rain starts falling, big, big holes develop in the road. The road is full of water and it is not very easy for tractors and trucks or buses or any kind of vehicles to cross over those roads. This is one of the biggest problems and one of the biggest obstacles, you can say, one of the biggest obstacles in the way of successfully conducting agricultural produce as well as industrial raw materials. Okay. And all-weather road is therefore a very good asset for a village. And there is an all-weather road which connects the village of Palampur to Raiganj, the nearby big, uh, the nearby big village and further on to the nearest small town of Shahapur. And there is a town also nearby called Shahapur. Many kinds of transport are visible on this road, starting from bullock cart, Tonga. You know what's a Tonga? Have you ever seen a Tonga? Students? What is a Tonga? Yes, sir. You have seen? And, uh, You are making noise like a tonga only. The noise you are making is like a tonga only. Okay. Anyway, a tonga is a horse-drawn uh, rickshaw. Okay. When a rickshaw is drawn by a horse, that is called a tonga or tonga. This kind of horse-drawn rickshaw was very common in olden days. Okay. Even now, if you go to Uttar Pradesh and all in places like Lucknow and all those places you may see such kind of vehicles operating, okay? And in Uttar Pradesh, actually, tongas are common, okay? Then the next type of vehicle is called bogey, wooden cart, drawn by buffaloes, loaded with jaggery, and other commodities to motor vehicles like motorcycles, jeeps, tractors, and trucks. So these are some of the kind of uh, uh, transport which is used by people in a village. How many families are there in the village of Palampur? 450 families. So will, will you call Palampur a big village or a small village? Is it a big village or a small village? Big village. It's a fairly big village. 450 families. If you multiply that, suppose on the average there is five members in each family. Grandfather, grandmother, one child, mother and father. Okay, let's make it two children. Then there will be six members per family. 450 into six will be? Two thousand eight hundred. Yeah. Close to 1,800. Okay. So that is roughly the population of Palampur. Alright. So it's not a very small village also. So we can say that if it is around 1,800 people in the village, then the conditions are there for business to be successful in the village. Because a village of 1,800 people roughly, they will not be 
very badly down in resources. When the population of a village is too much high also, then it is not very advantageous to start a business in that village. Okay. If the population of a village is very high, then it is not very advantageous to start a business in that village. But in the case of Palanpur, the population is not very, very high also. So it is possible to start a business and give employment to all the people. There is enough in the market. Actually, when more people are getting employment, then what will happen is there will be more purchase. The demand will increase. Exactly. That is what I was going to say. The demand in the market will be equally distributed per household and they will be able to have higher purchasing power parity. There is a kind of measurement called PPP. It is known as PPP. The other, the full form of PPP is purchasing power parity. The real development of a country is not measured by GNP per capita. The real development of a country is not measured by gross domestic product actually. Okay, if you look at the international standard, the first thing that people look at is the purchasing power parity or PPP. How much can a common man in a economy of a village or a state or a town or a country, how much they can spend money per head of people to purchase the essential items of everyday life? There was a question in your economics paper this time that what is the real measure of poverty and many of you have written about uh, food items, clothing, etc. Okay, I think that not a single one of you have even tried to mention that according to the World Bank, the poverty rate is calculated as dollar two, or roughly rupees 140 a day. Although I told that again and again, I am surprised that none of you actually wrote that. Did any one of you mention that? Yes or no? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mishbao, you did? Yes, sir. Well, uh, your paper not very bad. The thing is that I did not see that line, that line which you are telling. But most of you, uh, most of you have done well in that answer. I have given marks, but the thing is that one point is missing, so I did not give full marks. Okay, because I told again and again, how is the poverty line estimated? If I say how is the poverty line measured, then all the things which you have written, like clothing, footwear, food items, this, that, that is okay. That is right, that is not wrong. But you also have to mention, because I am asking to you about poverty line, about the measurement of poverty, you have to mention that according to International World Bank estimate, the poverty line is fixed at roughly $2 a day. And according to Indian government, poverty line is actually rupees 84, between rupees 50 to 84 a day. Let us go back to village Palanpur. So we can see there are 450 families. However, the advantage ends there. The village is divided into upper caste, and lower caste. Okay. There are 80 upper caste families, that is Brahmins and all. The caste system, as you know, students, 
the caste system is a very big problem in India. Because of the caste system, people face a problem in India. Okay. What is the problem? The problem is people of lower caste, they are not allowed to do every kind of job. This hinders the economy. Maybe this kind of system was advantageous thousands and thousands of years ago. But today, it is not only impractical, it has given rise to social stigma and discrimination, which is very, 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 very hampering to the development of the economy of a village. So, how do the upper caste families live in this village of Palampur? Let us see that first. Their houses, some of them quite large, are made of brick with cement plastering. So, they have good, good houses, the upper caste, that is the Brahmin type of uh, people. On the other hand, the lower caste Hindus, who are called Dalits, that is the SCs, I also gave you a question about them in the, in the economics exam. I asked you what is vulnerability and which are the vulnerable groups. Among the vulnerable groups, you have to, first of all, you have to mention the scheduled caste. Scheduled caste are those who are part of the majority religion of India only, but they are treated very badly and even today they are often discriminated against. For example, there in some places they are not even allowed to draw water from the same well. Okay. And these SCs are called Dalits actually. The SCs or scheduled caste comprise one third of the population of Palampur. So that is a big number. And they live in one corner of the village. They are not allowed to mix with the people of the other parts of the village. They are forced to live in only one corner of the village, although they make up one third of the population. And they have to live in much smaller houses, which are made of mud and straw. Most of the houses have electric connection, however. Electricity power is, electricity powers all the tube wells in the field and is used in various types of small business. Palampur has two primary schools and one high school. There is a primary health center run by the government and one private dispensary where the sick are treated. So we can say that as far as education and healthcare is concerned, Palampur's healthcare, Palampur's road system connections, as well as Palampur's education system is quite okay. It is sufficient for a village of only 450 families. All right. Now, can you tell me how much money as percentage of the gross domestic product is India investing as a country behind education? Can you tell me that? Not behind education, behind healthcare. Yeah. India is actually investing, no, it is education only, sorry. India is actually investing 1.5%, not 1.5% also, 1.2% of its GNP, the gross national product behind education. If you look at China, China is investing 2.5% of its GNP behind education. A small country like Sri Lanka is investing 6% of its GNP behind education, whereas India is investing only 1.2% of its GNP behind education. This is a massive shame for a country like India that we are investing so less behind education. Just one minute. 
the actual figures are there. Since we are discussing about the schools in village Kalampur, let me tell you how much which country is actually investing behind education. I have saved the figures and let me share it with you because it might be useful for you in the future. I'll tell you now how much which country is investing behind the education. Yes, there it is. India spends only 1.2% of its GDP. Okay. And uh, now uh, from education, let us come to health. I was actually trying to talk about health. India spends only 1.2% of its GDP on health. China spends 5% of its GDP on health. Brazil spends 9% of its GDP on health. South Africa spends 8% of its GDP on health. And even a poor country like Mexico, it spends 5.5% of its GDP on health. Compared to that, India spends only 1.2%. China spends 5%, Brazil spends 9%, South Africa spends 8%, and Mexico spends 5.5%. So you can see India is spending very, very less on health. And when I ask you the question about vulnerability, there was a question about vulnerability. We were doing a chapter called Why We Fall Ill in Biology also. Isn't it yes or no? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Now you can understand when you talk about vulnerability, how does a person become vulnerable? A person becomes vulnerable to poverty only when their health is going down. They cannot work nicely anymore. Okay. Not only that, they have to spend a lot of their money on medicines, hospitals. If they have to run to a hospital again and again and spend thousands and thousands and thousands of money behind treatment, then where will they get the money to invest in education and better nutrition? They will want to be able to do that. And that is the frightening reality of India. India's healthcare system is not adequately developed to cover the vulnerable section of the population. India spends only 1.2%. You can make a note of this. Again, I'm repeating. India spends only 1.2% of its GDP on health. China spends 5%. Brazil spends 9%. South Africa spends 8% and Mexico also spends 5.5%, and India spends only 1.2% of its GDP on health. This is why the condition of the health of the most of the people of India is so bad. Okay. In the village Palanpur, let us go back to the village Palanpur. Have you made a note of those figures which I told about the health of the country? Hello, students. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you can use that in the answer of vulnerability. Next time again in the main board exam, if there is a question about vulnerability. While writing an answer on vulnerability, you can say that the sections of the population which are more vulnerable to poverty are those which lack adequate health care and nutrition. And then you can give these figures in a bracket. You can pull a bracket and you can write after that. For example, India spends 1.2% compared to this, this, this country. So you can show like that. When you write answer like this, the examiner will give you more marks. So that is a vital statistic which I am telling you. When we look at village Palanpur, there is one primary health center run by government 
and one private dispensary where the sick people are treated. So what can we say about Palampur? Look at the next paragraph. The description above shows that Palampur has fairly well-developed system of roads, transport, electricity, irrigation, schools, and health center. Compare these facilities with those in your nearby village. In your village, do you have enough health center? If you think about your own village, do you have enough yes, sir. health center? Okay. Do you have adequate number of schools? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm very satisfied to see that all of you are very happy about your village. That's a good news. Okay. Although most of you live in the town, but you might have a village also somewhere. Now let us look at the next paragraph. The story of Palanpur, an imaginary village, will take us through the different types of production activities in the village. In villages across India, farming is the main production activity. Although farming is not considered an industry, but the reality is even the secondary industries are dependent on farming. You know that in the economy of a village or a country, there are three types of industry. Okay, there are three types of sectors in the economy. What are the three types of sectors? The primary sector, the secondary, secondary sector. Se secondary sector, and the tertiary sector or the service sector. Okay, for example, if someone is opening a computer shop in the village, then that is also going to be considered as a tertiary sector. Okay, in case of Palanpu, the, what is the production activity in the secondary sector like? First of all, the production in a village like Palampur is dependent upon the mm, primary sector. In a small village, the production often depends upon the primary sector. In villages across India, look at the next line. In villages across India, farming is the main production activity. The other production activities referred to as non-farm activities include small manufacturing, transport, shopkeeping. Please underline these two lines. Farming is the main production activity. The other production activities referred to as non-farm activities include small manufacturing, transport, shopkeeping. Please underline these two lines. Have you underlined Yes, it? sir. Okay. After underlining, yes, sir. After underlining yes, these sir. two lines, please, please write one question. Okay. Uh, differentiate. Please write a question beside that paragraph. Differentiate, differentiate between uh, farm and non-farm activities. Please write a, please write a question. Differentiate. Differentiate between, I hope you know the spelling of differentiate. Differentiate between farm and non-farm activities. Differentiate between farm and non-farm activities. Have you written that? Farm and non-farm? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So there are two questions which I have given from this page. Differentiate between farm and non-farm activities. 
other question from the top I have given that what is necessary for a business to succeed in a village like Palampur. Okay, so what have we seen in today's class? In today's class, we have not only taken village Palampur as an example, we have also discussed some other topics. First of all, we have discussed what is necessary for a village to succeed, what are the conditions necessary, what is necessary for a new business to succeed. Okay, we have also seen the amount invested in healthcare by a country and how it affects the economy of a country. So a village is like a small part of a country only. And we have also seen what is necessary for a new business to succeed. Proper system of roads, transport, electricity, water supply, everything is necessary for a new business to succeed. So if a question comes in any exam, that please tell what are the conditions necessary for a business or a sector of the economy to succeed. You have to mention roads, other types of transport, you have to mention electricity, you have to mention water supply, plus again you have to mention availability of raw materials, then you have to mention entrepreneurship, that is someone has to come and start the business or the industry. Again after that you have to mention uh, the human capital, if the human capital is very skilled then the business will have better productivity. If the human capital is unskilled or lowly skilled, then the business productivity will be less and the profit will also be less. So that is another point which we have covered in today's class. So three, uh, uh, three minutes are left. In these three minutes, I uh, ask you to uh, make any point or ask me any question about what you have learned today. As I said, this chapter is actually uh, not included in the pre-board, okay, although I have included it because according to the syllabus, this chapter is part of the syllabus, even in the new syllabus which has been changed after the lockdown. This part, this chapter is part of the syllabus and it can be used as a chapter in a class test. According to the syllabus, I have gone through the syllabus two days ago, I saw that it is written that this chapter is first of all very important for understanding other chapters in this book. Secondly, this chapter can be used to test the students in a pre-board, uh, sorry, in a class test and if a teacher feels that this chapter will be useful in some way, they can give questions from any chapter, parts of any chapter, even in the board exam. So don't take any chapter for granted. My advice to you is you try to read as much as of the book as because although they are telling that this chapter uh, so and so chapter is not included for the board exam, the syllabus has been reduced. But how do you know that a question will not really come from one of the chapters which is not actually included in the syllabus? You might get a question, yes or no, is that possible or not? It might take place, yes or no. Suddenly, if you go to give the board exam, you will see that a question is coming from a chapter or from a type of topic which is in some other chapter. So don't give too much importance to what has been left out due to the uh, 
extensive lockdown of six months. So don't take that much for granted. You have to be ready to answer questions which are connected with your chapter, although it is not coming from the chapter itself. Do you understand, student? Yes or no? Yes, sir. And that goes not only for economics, that is true also for biology and political science. You have to read the book nicely. The student who is going to top the exam, if you ever read the interview of toppers and those who do well in exam, you know, they will always tell you one thing. Number one, they used to make notes. Number two, they used to listen to the teacher in the class nicely. And while listening to the teacher in the class also, they used to take notes. Every topper will tell you that. And number three, they used to read the textbook nicely. They used to read the textbook very nicely. They didn't used to run after this guidebook and that guidebook, fancy guidebook. They used to go to the NCRT textbook and read it nicely, line by line, again and again. And that is the secret of being successful in the exam. You have to have the language from the book. And you have to use your own understanding as well as the mature language of the book and give nice answers with proper keywords, okay, like investment, entrepreneurship, turnover, return, productivity, this kind of, um, some special words are there, okay, which you have to use in any chapter. And when you do that frequently, it will make the examiner think that you have really done your homework, and that is the time when your marks will increase very dramatically. Okay, thank you very much. I will stop here for now. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Hello.